G'day mate, 40 here. Beautiful day here on Manly Beach. A great time to get some recovery. Listening to the, the daily reprieve here. This is how step four works. So yesterday she is in my house. We're doing some work together. And she tells me how he doesn't feel like his wife is there for him and loves him. Today in the morning he shows me a text. I'm allowed to say how his wife wants to take him out and be there for him and celebrate the fact that he didn't cheat on her for three years. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so what does it mean to go to any lengths? Essentially that just means that the willingness to work the steps. So here looking at uh, gorgeous Manly Beach. My God, some of those waves, what, three times the size of a normal man. Okay, so we act out for a reason. So that's the incentive to stay as balanced and happy and comfortable as possible because then we'll be much less likely to act out. So step four was when the magic happened for me. Step four absolutely blew my mind because I, I saw clearly the enormous role that I played in my own unhappiness. That uh, almost all my problems with other people I played a pretty big role. And so, it just kind of calmed me down, right? I realized I was, I was the uh, biggest obstacle to my own happiness. Then justify the fact that his wife really doesn't like him, because she really doesn't, and he showed me proof. Blows up his whole life and doesn't get the gifts. He left one day before the miracle happened. That's how this program goes. So step four, you take note of all your resentments and you, you write down a column, everyone, every institution, every individual you resent and then what they did to you that you resent and what part of self was affected. Was it your survival needs? Was it your prestige? Was it your sex and love life? Uh, was it your self-esteem, your social standing? Now get clear. And then what role did you play in your own misery? If you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? In searching affairs moral inventory of ourselves. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So if you look in the big book on page 63 on the bottom, he says... Next, we launch out on a course of vigorous action. The first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and critical step, 
a crucial step and could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in our lives which have been blocking us. So you begin by taking notice of your resentments, right? That's, that's the key place to begin. Right, that'll tip you off, because when you build up a resentment, you're much more likely to act out. So if your problem is food, or women, or money, or drugs, or alcohol, right, you're going to be much more likely to act out once you build up a full load of resentment. So you begin by paying attention to what you resent. We made a decision, that was our step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. What the hell does that mean? We made a decision to give our will over to God. Okay, really all that means, a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, is that you plan to continue working all 12 steps and to implement them throughout your life. That means the person who Chaim was, until he entered into recovery, is not the same person who Chaim will be. I was told the old Chaim will forever act out. The new Chaim will stay so. The old that's run on self-will. So I notice whenever I read a novel, watch a movie, or watch a TV show, right, people are inevitably brought low because they follow their own basic instincts to, towards destruction. Right? I notice that almost all the characters in movies, TV shows, and novels, there's nothing that they live for that's higher than the satisfaction of their own instincts. And so when I simply followed my basic instincts for status, for security, for, for sex and love and all that, that uh, I didn't really, I didn't really uh, do it for me, right? That, that, didn't, that didn't put me in a, in a good position. You don't understand me. I understand me. And I am in so much pain. And poor time. Chaim that lives in Chaim's head at all times. The Chaim that's filled with resentment, fear, pain, and then hurt others. Those are the four columns of the fourth step. Resentment, fear, the pain that was done to me, so I then do it to others, and then my acting out conduct. That Chaim We'll end up with that. So it's very interesting. I came into the program and I thought, and this is good for the newer people that are here, I have a problem with hookers. <laughs> I have a problem with masturbation. I married the wrong girl. You don't get it. My sex life is the problem. If you had my wife, it's so interesting. We're in a group of uh, 50 people and each guy feels, thinks the same thing. If you... Yeah, if you had my wife, if you had my life, then... And you'd act out too, right? That's how guys tend to talk. They want to blame their problems on somebody else, on a spouse, on a boss. So this is from the Daily Reprieve podcast, dailyreprieve.com. Really good stuff. Getting back to basics, mate. And my wife, if you had my sex... I was raised, if you 
Masturbation, porn, hookers, right? That's not the problem. It's just a manifestation of the problem. Right? That's just an outgrowth of the problem. The problem is fundamentally feeling ill at ease in the world and needing to turn to a substance or a process to get rid of that feeling of lack of ease. So I spend about an hour a day listening to these 12-step podcasts to help myself you know, regain equilibrium in the world. If you got rid of the internet, then I could stay sober. The problem is the internet shows me so much pornography, so I can't stay sober. The problem is the women on the street dress in such a provocative way, I can't stay sober. The problem is, is that all the women besides my wife dress in the way that I want my wife to dress, and that's why I can't stay sober. on the street the talk in the world is the problem is out there the problem is not in here if you get rid of all the problems out there I but every movie has nobody. what am I supposed to do a porn wherever I go everybody look you go to synagogue and you leave and you look around and they are the way these women dress what am I supposed to do so every Orthodox Jewish bachelor who I know well, you know, after the age of about 28, right, highly unusual to still be an Orthodox Jew and a bachelor after about age 28, pretty much everyone I know well is an addict to porn. Then when they get married, find out their wives aren't too happy about them uh, still looking at pornography, and uh, often the marriage doesn't last long. And then I could say so. And then take it a step further. If that guy wasn't an asshole, I could stay sober. If my wife didn't treat me that way, I could stay sober. If, 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 if there was enough money in my bank account that I didn't need God in my life, I could stay sober. Right, these are like telltale signs that you're dealing with an addict, right? Someone in a bad place, and they just want to you know, blame everybody else for their problems. Right. Path to recovery begins with taking responsibility for your own life. If there was a little bit more money than that amount that I just said, I could stay sober. If my wife wouldn't spend as much, I could stay sober. Basically, I could live the life that I live. Everybody and everything around me should change, and I could stay sober. And that's what he goes on to say. So, yeah, that's true of, of me in the past. Like, oh, if only everybody else would uh, shape up, if only my boss would treat me better, if only you know, rabbis would treat me better, if only you know, my girlfriend would treat me better, if only my family would treat me better, if only I got a break, if only the teacher gave me an A grade, you know, then, then my life would get better. If only, if only, if only I wasn't under so much stress. 
the, in the big book. I'll never forget it. I was sober maybe a few months. And he goes on to talk about how if all the actors in the play would change, and if everybody would just live their life different, and if people would stop listening to me, people would understand that. Right, if only people would understand that, you know, I like to speak with, with sarcasm or I like to use irony or, you know, I've got a cutting-edge sense of humor. Or if only people understood that, you know, I don't really belong here. Somehow there's been a great big mistake and I haven't gotten that nationally syndicated radio show. So they can't really expect me to turn out high-quality work. I'm not the problem. They really are. If only... And while I'm reading it, it was, I'll never forget this. Every time I, re- I think about this now, it's like a good laugh. While I'm reading, I'm like, wow, I wish I could give this to my father to read. <laughs> like, wow, this would help him so much. He really believes, like, every person needs to just follow his script. And then it's like, wow, how do I sneak this into my wife? Like, how does she get some of this? Like, oh, my God, if only... My workers, my my children, like, oh, my God, my rabbi, you know? And finally, finally, we're humbled enough to say, I gave my will up to God in step three, which means no one around me has to change. Yeah, in my experience, once I started living for a cause greater than myself, for things greater than my own self-will, life just started getting a lot better. Once I started living for God or to help other people with these problems in recovery, anything that transcended my own basic desires, then uh, then life started to dramatically improve. I need a change. The sex industry doesn't need a change, and even if it does need a change, you ain't changing it. It's a thriving business with you in it or without you in it. Or without me in it. We're making some damage over here now, a fellowship of uh, 200 plus. You know, they're losing some revenue, but um, they're still doing well. You don't have to worry. (laughs) They're doing very good. But nobody has to change. So I come to recovery. I come here. Very simple. I thought I'm going to walk through the doors and people are going to simply say, this is how you don't go to a hooker. So when I started applying these insights... I calmed down, then my ADHD calmed down. I started sleeping a little better. Started getting along better with other people. Started earning more money. Started cleaning up my side of the street. Started to hate myself less. Started getting some traction with my life. Just following these basic principles. All I needed to do. You know how? You commit to yourself for today. I am not going to a hooker. You know how you don't flirt with the guy or girl? Today, you muscle up every ounce of strength and courage, and you say, today, I'm not flirting. I'm not watching porn. And we look at each other in the face in this fellowship, and we say, we're not going to do that. I'm not getting angry today. And it's so much easier to do that when you've got a fellowship, man. When you've got other people. Right? When you've got a community. Right? So on my own, 
I can go off in all sorts of negative, self-destructive, antisocial directions. When I'm part of a community, I uh, start making better choices, right? I need that reinforcement from other people. And the whole program says don't do any of that. It's the last thing. You did that for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and that didn't work. Why would you continue doing that? The way you stay sexually sober is finally by surrender, by giving up, by saying nobody has to change. Only one person. Me. Just popped into my head. I have a grandmother, 96 years old, I believe, 95. Yeah. It's such a simple elementary perspective, but uh, realizing nobody has to change but me. Right? I need to change, but uh, nobody else needs to change. Yeah, coming to you live from Manly Beach, man. And nobody else has to change. Only I have to change. Right? If I want better results, I have to change. So I, I was in, in my parents' house last week I'm sitting there with my father having one of these, you know, philosophical conversations about could you get somebody to change? Could you could you help somebody change? Could you convince somebody to change? Could you manipulate the situation to change? Like one of those type of conversations. My grandmother... Yeah, I spent so much effort. I read so many books. <laughs> I did everything I could to learn how to be better at uh, manipulating other people. <laughs> and... Uh, I'd have been so much better off just uh, putting the focus on myself and learning how to manipulate myself by putting myself in a better environment, in a better community, yeah. with better practices and uh, getting open and honest with people. With her aide, 95 years old, I was walking out. She's literally, she's, she's 95, I don't have to say more. She went through everything, the corona, she was in the hospital. Literally in the last two years, maybe 20 times, literally. But it's not exaggerated. She's like, I was there for the weekends, you know. Um, we always say she's like, you know, she has the, she has like a hundred lives. It's unreal. She comes literally walking in. She can't eat anymore physically. She has tubes and pipes and things. It's insane. She comes hobbling in on her walker with her aide literally holding her up. And I say, hey, Grandma. I say, can anybody change? Can you change anybody? And she picks up her head like ever so slightly and says, sure yourself. Sure yourself. There's only one person that's changing in this world, and that's me. And I'm responsible for myself. How ironic if every person was just busy changing themselves and they actually accomplished that, they wouldn't... Now, if you do focus on changing yourself, right, and everything going on with you is going to still transmit to other people. You have to get the vaccine to go to Australia. No, there are no longer any uh, COVID restrictions to travel to Australia. But uh, I've had five... COVID shots so we do influence other people and I think we tend to underestimate how much we can influence other people but whenever we directly try to change people it almost never works but if we indirectly influence people all right it, it can be profound it can be huge but like directly applying pressure to try to change someone that never works
in my experience. You have to be everybody changing everybody else in this world. The hardest and most difficult thing to change is myself. And what I do all day as a result is change everybody else. The fourth step inventory is an opportunity where finally we get to look inside of ourselves. We get to hold up a mirror. And for once and for all, really do an internal, spiritual, mental, emotional surgery. Yeah, soul surgery. I think that's a, a pretty good metaphor for 12-step uh, work. A little soul surgery. <laughs>